The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. I probably have the wrong way of looking at this, but I always say that you need to have a couple pastors as your friends because in, in the grand scheme of things, hopefully bring me closer to heaven. Yeah, something like that. Surround yourself with uh, the kind of people that you want to be. Right? <laughs> That's probably not accurate, is it? No, no. Okay. Well, no, I mean, nonetheless, uh, we have uh, an incredible guest for this week. He is a pastor. He doesn't like titles, so we, we won't go with any titles. Um, <laughs> Mark Barrett, my friend, uh, so good that you can uh, hang out with us today. Thanks. It's really awesome to be here and talk to you. We like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. And that is, Mark, who are you and where did you come from? Well, good. It's not math. No, no, no. We wouldn't know the answer ourselves. So, Well, I'm in Edmonton uh, now uh, as the associate pastor at Northgate Baptist Church. But uh, I've kind of traveled across the country. Uh, I'm actually originally from the States. Okay, don't boo me yet. <laughs> um, but uh, I have dual citizenship. That should count for something, right? Yeah, for oh, sure. Okay. Extra points. Right. <laughs> and I, I landed in um, in New Brunswick when I came to Canada. Nice. And spent quite a while in Canada, in New Brunswick. My wife is, I met her there. She's mm-hmm. a New Brunswicker. And uh, we spent some time in PEI and uh, most recently in Ontario. And then we've been here in Edmonton for a year and loving it here, actually. That's what most people say. Edmonton. (laughs) (laughs) Do they? (laughs) No. But I always defend it. Being born oh. and raised, you know, in Edmonton, no matter what people yeah. say, I'm like, but the people, right. the scenery, it's a great place to be. So well, it helps that we have five grandchildren here, too. Mm. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was a big draw. <laughs> so cold weather, but lots of cuddles. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Was being a pastor the dream from when you were a small boy? You thought, I'm going to be a pastor. Or uh, was there other dreams like astronaut no. or paleontologist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to. <laughs> um, not a pastor, but in ministry. Mm-hmm. So I was saved when I was six years of age. And we attended, I li- we were living in Fresno, California, And in the 50s, so I was born in 1957, and Billy Graham was having a crusade in in California. And my dad was one of the organizers of that. And I was sitting there watching Billy Graham preach. And I said to my mom, I want to be a preacher just like him someday. Hmm. And I think that was my call to ministry. You know, at six years of age, you don't know what you're talking about, really. Um, but it was always in the back of my mind that I was going to be in ministry. And then I wanted to be an evangelist. And uh, that was really what I felt my calling was going to be, was to be an evangelist. So I went to Moody Bible Institute where they had a a major in evangelism. It was one of the only schools back then that had that kind of a major. And uh, so I went there, but then it was during those years I was reading my Bible And I came to the passage in Ephesians where it says, and God called some as uh, uh, pastors, 
apostles, prophets, etc. And then it goes, and evangelists to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And I'm reading that, and I, it dawned on me, I thought, I could equip a bunch of people to do evangelism, and I, I could reach a lot more people uh, for Christ by doing that than if I was just doing it myself. So I think that was my call into the pastoral ministry, which I never really wanted, but I've been doing this for 40 years, and it's been great. And and you know God has a sense of humor because he brings you to places like Edmonton where it's minus 40 with a wind chill, and you're like, <laughs> I was born in Fresno, yeah. California. Right. Yeah. How come I didn't get a call to Florida or California? <laughs> what is with that? I always wanted to be in Hawaii, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? We're not, we're not praying hard enough, apparently. Uh, apparently. So I don't have the right connections. I'm trying to be more specific with my prayers. I'm just like, dear yeah. God, this is the yeah. map. Yeah. <laughs> This is the city. Where Just putting it out there, right? <laughs> um, I, I mean, so you've been you've been in Edmonton now for about a year. It was a weird time, I guess, for you to transition too, because we're dealing with the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed a difference from when you were doing pastoral work pre-COVID to now pastoral work post-COVID? Oh, absolutely. It's harder. It's a lot harder to do ministry now. Interesting. Uh, in, in the the church, the churches are really suffering that way, uh, mm-hmm. in in the in the respect that people, a lot of people have not come back to church yet, and people who are coming back, they're still a little bit hesitant to jump in to get involved. So volunteerism is down. Um, it's harder to get people to volunteer for things because there's still a you know there's a hesitancy still. Just contacting people, you say, should I go to the hospital? Mm. You, know, you uh, sort of ask yeah. the question, am I allowed to be there or should I go to that nursing home or can I come to your home? You know, people don't really want you to, a lot of people don't want you in their home still. Uh, how about where we ha- hold that small group Bible study? Well, let's do it at the church. It's safer there. Yeah. Right. I don't want you all in my home. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's there's a big uh, uh, challenge right now in working with people. And the habit, too, was broken of, you know, getting up sat Sunday yeah. morning, going to church. Now yeah. it's like, oh, but my the Church of the Holy Comforter is so much more comforting. <laughs> right. And, you know, that is so true. People yeah. got into the habit of sitting in their living room, mm-hmm. drinking their coffee. And uh, it's great in their pajamas and, you know, and they like it, actually. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, some of those people still have not come back yet. Is it a natural progression for someone who, let's say, a pastor? Because you're so used to writing sermons that going from sermon to writing book just seemed kind of a natural thing for you. You know, it did for me, uh, Johnny. But I also think it was a real God inspired thing for me. I I never really intended on writing a book. You know, I thought, oh, that might be cool someday, but I never really had plans or a topic. And then um, our son took his own life. And almost immediately, Barbara and I, my wife, we said, you know, God wants to do something bigger than what we know with this. We didn't want it to be a waste, his mm-hmm. death. Um, we didn't want it just to be an event that that impacted our lives. But, you know, the Bible says that God works all things for the good 
to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And right away, we thought about that verse, which is kind of a cliche verse for a lot of people. But to us, it became very real. And we said, you know, I we want God to use this for his good and not just a negative event in history. So we started praying about that. And almost very, very soon, I said to Barbara, I think I probably need to write a book. Uh, probably about three three months in, I started thinking about that. And then uh, another year passed or two, and uh, COVID hit. Mm. And now we're all home. Yeah. Even the churches were closed. And then... Um, we felt God moving us from our church where we were at. And uh, so I had about six months off, actually. And uh, it was during that time that I said to my wife, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act like this is a job. I'm going to get up at eight o'clock and I'm going to sit at my computer and I'm going to write. And, you know, as I wrote, I just really sensed God just working in my heart, my mind to say what I needed to say. And it was really, I felt inspired in some ways by God. And it wasn't very hard to write. And maybe part of that is because I am used to writing sermons. And the book is very biblical by Mm -hmm. nature, you know, a lot of scripture. And uh, because I didn't understand his death from my point of view, from a human point of view, it was just a horrible event my son taking his own life. Like, who wants that? And we didn't expect it. It was totally out of the blue. Our son was a Christian. He didn't have mental issues. He would had no addiction issues. He had a good job. He was in, engaged to be married. He had two years of Bible school. He was working uh, as a cabinet maker and had planned on going into missions Mm-hmm. Uh, camping ministry. So everything was great. You know, we were planning for a wedding. So it was, it was like, what happened? We didn't know what happened. There was just a lot of questions. And so we be, I began searching scripture, all that to say that I didn't have answers, but I felt like God must have answers. Does it make it harder though? Because Everything seemed to be going okay. I mean, if if he struggled with something, you'd be like, "Well, I, I okay, I kind of yeah. see the reason yeah. why he did it." But to not have right. that answer would make it harder. Yes. Well, to us, it felt like it was harder. I mean, sure. everybody's pain is their own pain, right? But to us, uh, it seemed harder because we didn't have answers. He didn't share with us. In fact, his fiance came to us and said, "What happened?" Hmm. She didn't. She didn't have a clue. Um, his friends came to us and said, what, can you tell us what happened? Like, he seemed fine. You know, we just saw him, just talked with him last week. Uh, so yeah, it seemed really hard. And that's why I thought I have to find some answers from God's word because God knows. I don't know, but God knows. So the book is really, I always, I kind of liken it to the wizard of Oz. You know how, how they're going, what's going on? And then they pull back the curtain and there's, you know, the wizard. Mm -hmm. And I'm, it's, I'm likening it to pulling back the curtain of horrible events in our lives that we don't know what happened. 
Why did that happen? Why did my my son, who is 27 years old, take his life? Why did he that person have a heart attack? Why did I lose my spouse? Why did I lose my job? Everything was going well. So, so we have all these mysteries in life, and we go, I don't know why it happened, and I don't understand what's going on. And then you begin to to look into God's word and you discover that God has answers to all those questions. And that's really what the book is trying to do. Answer those questions. I want to rewind just a, a little bit because you've been to many different places and you, you raised a family and you are raising a family. And it's um, yeah. one of those things, obviously you, you could never prepare yeah. for as a parent. And so I know some people will, will say, if I only notice the signs, yeah. there must've been something going on back then Right. Um, but that wasn't the case, was it? It was a yeah. quintessential, my dad's a pastor <laughs> kind yeah. of upbringing for him, right? Yeah. 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 He was raised in a, in the church in a Christian home. We never said to our kids, you're going to church because your dad's a pastor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that's a horrible thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> we, we always said we're going to church because we love God. You know, we, we want to, we want to worship God together. And so they were kind of raised in that environment of not the pressure of the pastor's kid. They didn't even know they were pastor's kids until somebody <laughs> called them that one day, right? Yeah. Um, like, no, that's just my dad. <laughs> yeah, well, he's just my dad. Um, so because of that environment, you go, yeah, how could that even happen? And in fact, I, I say in one point in the book, I'm certain that people will say, well, you must have seen something. You Mm -hmm. must have seen a sign of some sort. And our answer is, no, we didn't see anything. Uh, He was at our house on Wednesday night finishing up a kitchen that he installed in our house. And he was really tired. He was at the youth group closing, which he was volunteering at, at our church on Thursday night. Went to work on Friday his boss had a great day with him, installed something in a kitchen, and uh, that night or the next day he was gone. You say, well, what? What was that all about? Like, there was no sign. So that, and that's part of the mystery of things that happen in our lives many times, right? Is that you didn't expect it coming. What about Job? Like, Job was a righteous man. And all of a sudden, boom, one day his whole family is gone. Yeah. Well, he didn't know. So I write about Job and his experience and how God never really told him what happened. He didn't know that there was this spiritual warfare in heaven. But God just said, who are you to question me? I'm God. And sometimes that's the answer we get. No. We have to just trust God with the mysteries of life. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in North America. Holly and I are working on something um, for the new year in hopes to talk a little more about mental illness and just kind of what people are going through, how to deal with some of those things. Mm -hmm. As we're heading into the Christmas season, you hear a lot about the Christmas of firsts or a season of firsts. I mean, you're in the midst of already having gone through it a few times, but it's still it's still difficult. Yes. To, to have Christmas seasons without those um, who you've lost. Mm-hmm. What do you say to those who are struggling with this season upon us? 
Well, that's a good question. My wife and I lead a grief share uh, ministry here at the church. And that's one of the questions that, that come up. How do I deal with this season? Mm-hmm. And, you know, from a biblical perspective, it's uh, trusting God that he knows was happening and, and allowing him to give us his sense of peace and presence. And so it's being in the presence of God. And I can't say that it you you can really do anything that would cause the pain to be less. You're, mm. you're, go, you're going to experience the pain. But I always say to people, you have to go through the darkness in order to find the light. You know, if, if you chase a sunset, you'll never, you'll never find it. But if you turn around and run through the dark, you're going to, you're going to catch the sunrise. And that's, and that's, sorry. And I know that I'm going to see the sunrise. Maybe not today, but the sun is on, on the rise. And if I continue to go through the darkness and I, and I think we have to feel the pain. You know, people who go through grief, they try to cover their grief. Mm. And they, so they get busy and they, they, they just get over involved so they don't have to think about it. You have to think about grief. You have to, we call it grief work. You have to work on grief. And if you don't work on the grief, then you become depressed. And if you don't, if you don't deal with depression, you get clinical depression and now you're in a real mess. And so I have worked on my wife and I, we've worked on our grief. We feel the grief when, when it, when it rises in us, we, we just, we cry, we, we talk about it. You have to talk about it. You have to feel it. And then when you feel the pain, you, you're you're walking through the darkness and the and the, and and the sun rises you 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 feel better you really do mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps yeah. we grieve very uh poorly i think as a, a society i feel like we're always trying to run from the grief we get lots of comments especially at christmas time yeah. of people saying it's too joyful i'm having a rough season <laughs> yeah. so change all your music to fit my mood yeah. um we yeah. Why do you think that is that we struggle to allow the process of grief to happen? <clears throat> because Holly, we're not ever taught how to lose things. Hmm. We're only taught how to get things. You know, how do I get a education? Yeah, I'm going to hmm. get a spouse. I'm going to get children. I'm going to get a good job. I'm. We're we're taught to get things but we're not really ever taught to lose things. And so when we lose something, we don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And so Barbara and I, we had to learn. We had to learn to accept our loss and how to deal with the loss. And we're not taught that, unfortunately. Mm-mm. It's true. I only heard one person talk to me as a, a new mom saying, being a parent is the process of learning how to let go. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, I, I can't do that. Thanks. I, I don't receive your message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I disagree. I don't like it. Get out yeah. of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it's true. We don't teach ourselves or, or allow ourselves to go through that process of, of learning how to, to lose, to let go. And then you know what happens? 
in a spiritual realm. Um, for those who follow Jesus as our Savior, um, we know that the enemy is prowling around seeking someone to devour. And it says someone. So you say, well, who am I? I'm not that special. And and I'm not. I'm not that special. I'm just a guy and, a you know, just doing my thing. And I'm not a renowned person, somebody that he should pick on, right? But it says someone to devour. That means he's not a respecter of persons. And so when we find ourselves in those places of loss and grief and um, and heartache, Satan knows that. And he's going to use that to try to trip us up even further and get us down deeper down into the pit where we can't find our way out. Hmm. And so I wrote about that in my book a lot about Satan's tactic. And I think our son Nathan was dealing with the spiritual warfare. I really do. Uh, as all Christians are, but we don't call it that. We don't recognize it for what it is. And so Satan will attack us at the weakest point. Like he attack, you know, like a wolf attacks the, the little lambs, not the big sheep mm-hmm. and, and, or the wounded ones. Well, we're wounded and Satan mm-hmm. attacks us. And so we need to learn how to counteract those attacks. Part of it is learning how to grieve right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What is maybe one of your biggest takeaways from this season that you went through with your, the loss of your son? Oh, boy. There's a lot of takeaways. I think I'm learning to trust God even more Mm. Um, that I don't, I still don't have all the answers. I never will. Right. Until glory, my son is in heaven and I'm going to see him again. And I, but I don't have all the answers for that. And I need to trust God and I need to continue to seek for answers in his word, but I may not have all the answers. Just like Job. How about Joseph in prison? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't know what was going on. He he had he he was just in prison. God never told him, "Oh, hang in there, buddy. I'm going to make you the head of Egypt someday." Right? Well, if he had known that, it would have been easier, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, like thirty days left. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the countdown of freedom. Right? But, but he didn't know. Yeah. In fact, he sent a couple of guys out at before him and said, "Hey, tell 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 the head guy there that, you know, why I'm here." And they neither of them did. And and so uh we don't have all the answers, but we I'm learning that every day I just trust him for what I don't know. Trust him in the absence of good answers. Mhm. I have uh, maybe a difficult question for you. Um, friends of mine, uh, their their daughter was set to was set to be married, and uh, she ended up passing away. And mm-hmm. one of the hardest things that they found was yes, they lost their daughter, but also because she was engaged, they actually the the fiance didn't want anything to do with them anymore because it was mm-hmm. a reminder of her. Mm-hmm. How's your relationship with uh, your son's fiance? Well, she's married. We said to her right off the bat. We don't want this to uh, mark the rest of your life. And we're going to pray that God will lead some godly man into your life, that you can marry, have kids, have a happy life. Hmm. Now, she still suffers with grief. She still suffers with her loss because it was a huge loss. They were madly in love. 
a beautiful young lady. Um, but about a year later, God led a young man into her life, a godly young man who was very sensitive to her, who allowed her to talk about Nathan and they kind of dealt with it together and they're married and they have a happy marriage. And, um, and we're actually not as close with her as we used to be. She still lives in Ontario. Sure. Um, but we have dialogue with her. Now we're, we're really pretty close with her parents, oddly mm. enough. And my wife and her mom have become really close friends. And so they do Zoom calls with each other nice. you know, pretty regularly. And they become really special to us. And uh, his fiance is very special to us. We still feel like she's part of our family in many ways. Yeah. Um, you had referenced about your son and how you'll see him one day in heaven. And I recall growing up 80s and 90s, and there's uh, a lot of conversations about suicide and how um, people would say, well, no, they're not going to be in heaven. Yeah. yeah. And then I remember Rick Warren's son committing suicide, and it really brought that conversation yeah. to light. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious to know uh, uh, just kind of about uh, your thoughts on on suicide and then the afterlife because I've just heard so many different conversations on that. Well, I wrote a chapter in my book called uh, Grace. It's just called Grace. And, uh, you know, in growing up in church, and you guys are pretty young still. Thank you. Thank you. I don't feel young. <laughs> The gray in my beard says otherwise. <laughs> but we used to sing in a hymn in church called Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Grace, grace yes. that is greater than all our sin. And so I began to think about that verse. And I thought, is that really true? Is grace greater than all of our sin? Well, suicide is a sin because it's essentially murder. But there are so many other sins that we could also say are are horrible. Well, is God's grace greater than all of our sin? Well, Nathan, I know, uh, was a true follower of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, he loved God, worshiped God. He read his Bible faithfully every day. Uh, he witnessed to people, led people to the Lord. You know, I know he was a follower of Jesus. Um, so... Because he committed suicide, he sinned at death. So all of a sudden, God's grace isn't good enough. Mm. See, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. So all of a sudden, that penalty that he paid wasn't great enough to pay for that sin. No, no, no. He paid for our sins past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm in the midst of sinning and I die, is God not going to save me because I was sinning? That that doesn't disqualify a person from heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the prerequisite, of course, is to trust Christ as our Savior, the only one who can save us from our sin. And Nathan did that, I'm confident. And everyone that you talk to would say the same thing. That's why it was such a surprise you know, can a Christian commit suicide? Well, you get to a place in your life where you feel like you're trapped, 
you don't have any answers. I don't know what was going on in his mind. He didn't leave us a whole lot of clues. Um, but he must have been in such pain for some reason that he felt like he didn't have a way out. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that he wasn't saved? No. God's grace is great enough for all of our sins. And so I wrote about that in my book because I needed to find that answer. Yeah. yeah. I always thought it was just a horrible way of comforting people. Like, yeah. why would you even say that to somebody? Right. Right. Well, I actually had someone say it to me, say that to me. Um, yeah, I was of course in the you gym did. That doesn't day. surprise me. Yeah, I was in the gym one day and he said, hey, I heard your son took his own life. I said, yeah, it was really bad. And he said, well, you know, he's in hell. I go, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, I said, no, actually, he's not in hell. Yeah. So that's an old, uh, you know, an old doctrine that came from bad theology. Hmm. I was like, why would you say that to somebody? <laughs> I just. Because they're just stupid. N- nothing surprises me. <laughs> I know. We should write a book. The things people say. Oh, yeah, right. oh absolutely. <laughs> I could tell you many other stories about that. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, this is the Why Me Project podcast, so I would love to know what is a Why Me moment that stands out to you throughout your life? In this particular case, I've been a Christian since I was six years old. I've been serving you for 40 years. Why me? This is the last thing that I would have expected to happen. And that is also kind of one of the, was kind of the motivations for me writing this book. Why not me? I'm no different than anyone else. Um, The sun shines and the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Just because we're saved doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to good people. Mm -hmm. They do. And now we need to to find those answers uh, in God's word. So, yeah, my why me moment initially was, come on, God, like this, this wasn't supposed to happen this way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're so honest about that. Cause I think as um, someone who's not a pastor, when I look at someone in that role, I would just assume that you have it all together. You have all of the mm-hmm. answers and that you wouldn't mm-hmm. ask God, why me? You just be like, Oh, because xyz that i pulled from this scripture so thank you so much just for your transparency and for sharing your journey with us you're welcome shining light into darkness which is available now as you're finding purpose and hope when life's events make no sense mark we appreciate you so much for taking some time and uh, sharing your heart today you're welcome nice to talk to you it really is a tough topic to talk about i mean losing somebody in itself is hard yeah. But then when it's something like that, and then you have no idea as to why, and you're left with so many questions. Yeah, I honestly can't even imagine. And I I just pray that I never have to go through that, yeah. that season of life, because I, I don't know if I would fare as well as Mark and his wife did. And, and I mean, I looked at the interview that uh, Toby Mac did. I mean, granted, his son was still very young when he passed yeah. that to a drug overdose, very different, but it's still, uh, and he talks about how him and his wife are grieving very differently. 
Yeah, because nobody grieves the same and it's a process unique to you. There's no five steps, 10 steps. It might be, you know, step one, five, four. It's just yeah. messy. It's, it's messy, but you have to go through the pain, just like Pastor Mark said, to see the sunrise. Yeah, he, he had said everyone's pain is their own pain. Yeah. And, and we don't, we don't, there is no one step, you know, ABC mm -hmm. to this. And what you, what you might be good in six months, six years later, I'm still struggling. Oh yeah. My grandmother passed away, what, eight years ago now. Yeah. And if I hear Kirk Franklin smile, mm -hmm. I don't know why it's that song, but it, it gets me. I still yeah. feel it. And I mean, we knew she was going to pass away. So it wasn't a surprise. And uh, I just, I hear the song and I just miss her like crazy, but I, yeah. I feel like in some way it's a blessing to have had her in my life that I could miss her that much. I've been doing uh, throughout the, the Christmas season uh, moments and memories of people who have lost somebody, whether it's the first year of them going through it or it's 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Mm -hmm. If you're going through something or struggling, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know about that person that you've lost, and we'd love to be able to hear about how amazing they were because their memory is going to continue to live on. Yeah, by the stories that we share about what they did and how they added to our lives. Yeah, so reach out to us. Love to hear you uh, on all the socials. You could email whymeproject at outlook.com. And don't forget to do all the downloadings, Holly. Yes, exactly. It helps us out so we can have one of those fun Spotify wrap-up thingamajiggers that yes. they do. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. Yeah, where they're like, this many people listened. It's like, oh, my mom checked us out. So please yeah, thanks, uh, mom. <laughs> download, rate, review, subscribe. And you can also check us out at faithstrongtoday.com.